And we define growing with parenting as a mutual journey of intentional growth for both ourselves and our children. So some of the big words there are it's a mutual journey um, where we're learning from each other and from how parents from how kids are growing and kids from how parents are growing. And yet we as parents, we're still very intentional about how we're building relationships with our kids um, and helping them think about their relationships and their future. Welcome to Raising Adults, the groundbreaking parenting podcast that starts with the end in mind. We're your co-hosts, Dina Thayer and Kira Dorian. We created future-focused parenting to take families from surviving to thriving. So join us as we help you stop raising kids and start raising adults. Today's episode of Raising Adults is brought to you by the Homeschool Buyers Co-op, which is the largest buyers club for homeschoolers in the country. It's run by homeschoolers who have a love for family and a deep commitment to homeschooling. And what the Homeschool Buyers Co-op does is give families the purchasing power of school districts, which means that you get 10 to 90% off of curriculum. Plus, registration is free, and they have a ton of free resources available as well. They also have a smart points reward system, so the more you buy, the more you earn. And if you register for your free account with our referral code, which is ADULTS, A-D-U-L-T-S, you will get 5,000 smart points right away, which basically gives you $5 to spend on the site immediately. So register for your free account today and use our referral code, ADULTS, by going to homeschoolbuyersco-op.org. That's homeschoolbuyersco-op.org. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Raising Adults podcast. We're glad you could join us today because we're talking about an important issue, and that is helping teens and young adults really move into thriving as they grow. And while I know a lot of our listeners have younger children, laying the foundation for this is really important. And Kira and I recognize that we're not necessarily experts at this either. So we're excited to have Dr. Kara Powell with us today to talk a little bit more about this. I've recently read her book, Growing With, which really talks about a lot of the elements of helping teens and young adults do well and be successful as they embark on their adulting journey. So we're glad to have her and I'm going to introduce her and then we'll dive right in. I think you'll really enjoy what she has to say. I've also been blessed enough to hear her at a blended family conference. And so I really know she has a heart, not just for youth, but for the parents doing their best to raise them. So I'll introduce her and we'll dive right in. Kara Powell, PhD, is the Executive Director of the Fuller Youth Institute and a faculty member at Fuller Theological Seminary. Kara also serves as a youth and family strategist for Orange and speaks regularly at parenting and leadership conferences. Kara is the author or co-author of a number of books, including Faith in an Anxious World, Growing With, 18 Plus, Growing Young, The Sticky Faith Guide for Your Family, Can I Ask That?, Deep Justice Journeys, Essential Leadership, Deep Justice in a Broken World, and Deep Ministry in a Shallow World. So welcome, Kara. Thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, my pleasure. I'm looking forward to a great conversation. Well, I've given the professional introduction, but maybe you could start by just telling us a little bit more about yourself personally and how you came into this important work with youth. Yeah. Well, my husband and I have been married for 21 years. We have three kids. 
a 19-year-old who just finished his college freshman year, a 17-year-old who just finished her 11th grade year, and a 14-year-old who just finished her 8th grade year. Um, and, you know, my, my whole professional life, I felt a special burden for young people. I served for uh, quite a number of years as a youth pastor at a few different churches in Southern California. And now I'm a faculty member at Fuller Seminary, but really my main job, as you mentioned, is directing the Fuller Youth Institute, um, where we work hard to answer leaders and parents' toughest questions about young people through research-based answers. Fantastic. So Dina told me a little bit about this concept of growing with, yes. and I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and I would love for you to tell our listeners, like, what, is, what does that mean, and how does that differ from d this traditional idea that we have of kids simply growing up, and then they grow apart from us as their parents? Yeah. Well, uh, the book is called Growing With and co-authored by my uh, good friend and colleague, Steve Argue, because um, Steve's, Steve kids, Steve's kids are a little bit older than mine, but what we see in ourselves and what we certainly hear from parents across the country of teenagers and young adults is that we fear that as our kids grow up, they're, grown, they're going to grow apart from us. Um, and so what we wanted to say to parents is there's a different parenting posture that we can take. Um, and just because our kids are growing up doesn't mean we have to give up or grow apart, but we can uh, grow with our kids. And we define growing with parenting as a mutual journey of intentional growth for both ourselves and our children. So some of the big words there are it's a mutual journey. Um, where we're learning from each other and from how parents from how kids are growing and kids from how parents are growing. And yet we as parents, we're still very intentional about how we're building relationships with our kids um, and helping them think about their relationships and their future. So um, that's really the heart of the book. And let me just say, I, I feel like every day I learn um, how to do it better, largely from my mistakes being that kind of parent. So, um, so it's an ongoing journey for me, that's for sure. That's so true. We often learn by where we fall down a little bit, right? We can learn the most from that. I was really interested in the book to see that the data is showing that it's not what we've always thought. You're just a kid and then you're an adult like it used to be, or there was some kind of rite of passage and now you're a grown up and not even so defined as child, teenager, adult. So can you talk a little bit about what we're seeing in the research about what are the stages of growth toward adulthood as defined in the book and what are the approximate age ranges for those so that we can form our conversation? Yeah, and that's really an important paradigm that, that shapes the book, and so I'm glad you're introducing it early in this conversation, that um, you know, we tend to think of 13 to 29-year-olds in two book buckets, that there's teenagers from age 13 to 18, and then kind of young adults beyond that. Um, and you know, for today's young people, the journey is more nuanced. If you look at census data and other studies, you know, the typical young adult is getting married five years later, having babies five years later, becoming financially independent five years later, finishing school a lot later, et cetera. And so Steve and I felt like we need a more nuanced understanding of the age and life stage between 13 and 29. So we suggest not two buckets, but three. Um, and the first is from age 13 to 18, and that's a learner. Um, and you know, so that kind of high school age young person, they're experiencing rapid physical, emotional, 
relational, intellectual, and spiritual growth. Um, they have all sorts of new questions, friendships, and interests. Then somewhere around age 18, I say somewhere around because it, it's kind of 18 plus or minus a year, um, that learner transitions to being an explorer. That's the name that Steve and I gave that 18 to 23-year-old. That explorer is often venturing out for the first time away from home or home-oriented routines. They're excited about the future, yet still unsure about themselves. And then right around age 23, that explorer transitions to being a focuser. Um, and that from age 23 to 28, again, plus or minus a year on the 23 transition, um, that focuser is gaining a clearer sense of who they are. Some of their educational, relational, spiritual, vocational choices have opened up new opportunities. Um, and as well as closed other doors, some feel on track with their life goals while others feel a little bit behind. But each of those three stages, of course, it's, it's different not only for our young people, but also for us as parents as we try to respond to our kid and be the parent that they need us to be. Wow, I love that. That it, it, it's funny. I was quiet because I was reflecting on my own journey through those stages, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's really how that's really how yeah. that went. <laughs> that's amazing." So I know that there are three components to growing with our kids, and that each of them is sort of necessary to raising fully functioning adults. So can you talk about those three components? And I'm curious, do they correlate with those three phases, or are they different? Um. Well, they, yes, they, they weave through all three phases, but the manifestation of them looks a little different. But yes, Steve and I think that there are really kind of three primary, primary threads that weave their way um, through that learner, explorer, and focuser uh, continuum. And so the first is a, actually a verb we made up. All three are, are verbs. The first is one we made up, and we call that withing. Um, and by W-I-T-H-I-N-G. And by withing, we mean a family's growth in supporting each other as children grow more independent. Um, and, you know, as our, as our kids developmentally and appropriately um, individuate, gain some autonomy, uh, that is exciting for us, but it's also scary for us. And they sometimes uh, push away from us in a way that leaves us a little dented and cracked and bruised. And so, you know, Steve and I love thinking about how do we continue to love our kids uh, unconditionally and support them uh, it, it, with this goal of still helping our young person become more independent. So, so that's, that's the first key verb is this idea of continuing to build family intimacy um, and showing unconditional love, even while your young person is individuating from you. Um, the second key verb is one that we hear quite a bit these days, and that's uh, adulting. Of course, we even see the hashtag adulting. Um, we have a perhaps a slightly different uh, definition of adulting. We believe that adulting is our kids' growth and agency as they embrace opportunities to shape the world around them. So we love seeing that young person become uh, more, feel like they have more control, more influence. Um, they are agents in their own life and in particular in their relationships and in their vocations. 
And then the third verb that we think is important at all three stages um, is not one we made up, but it's not as well known, and that is faithing, F-A-I-T-H-I-N-G. Um, we define faithing as uh, having our family members own and embody our own journeys with God as we encounter new experiences and information. And so we love thinking with parents and young people alike about how their faith is changing, what new relationships they're having that cause them to have new questions and perhaps arrive at new answers um, when it comes to their faith, whatever faith that might be. So those are the three threads that weave their way through all three stages. Fantastic. So I'm wondering if, and you can completely pick if you want to do a learner, explorer, focus, or one of each, could you maybe give an example of each of those verbs and what they might look like, a situation that might come up in a family where you could use those, what that might look like? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think what I, in order to answer that question, I think what I should do is probably also give the parent counterpart for each of those three stages. So just like we came up with terms for the young person, learner, explorer, focuser, um, we also thought about, you know, within kind of the growing with umbrella, What's the exact posture that we hope that parents and step-parents, guardians, grandparents can take? Um, and so when it comes to learners, what we encourage parents to be is teachers. And that somewhat makes sense, right? If a young person's on a steep learning curve, then they really need us to teach them. And teach them particularly in three areas, self-reflection, self-discipline, and collaboration. Um, so those are the three areas that we'd encourage parents of 13 to 18 year olds to focus on. And again, that's self-reflection, self-discipline and collaboration. Uh, that explorer, that again, 18 to 23 year old, um, we hope parents transition from being teachers to being guides. Uh, and, and this, I'm in the middle of this transition myself, having a, a 19 and a 17 year old. And guides, just like a guide on a trail or in a neighborhood, guides try to be sensitive to when their young people uh, need a lot of help versus when they can kind of handle it on their own. Um, and, you know, I, I chuckle uh, to myself and with my husband is a lot of times I, um, I get overly involved with my kids. <laughs> and I, it's funny how I, um, I do the same thing that my brother and I would say our own mom does. And that is, I become, quote, overly helpful, end quote. And, um, <laughs> you know, that's part of what parenting means at the, around that 17, 18, 19-year-old age is to really step back and uh, let your kid kind of take the trail as much as they can on their own with you stepping in as needed. And then that third kid stage or that third young person stage, when they're uh, focusing, what they need from us is to be resourcers. Um, we are kind of waiting for them to access us. We had one parent say, I feel like a library card catalog, <laughs> just waiting for my young person to ask me a question. And I know some of your listeners won't know what a library card catalog is. So we'll just, they're too young. So let's just say it's like Google, um, where you can go and you can ask it questions. Um, and so, uh, you know, and, and what we heard from so many parents of 23 to 28 is their best conversations were when the young person asked them a question. Sure, at times they feel like they need to step in and offer uh, perspective or even counsel concerns, but by and large, whenever possible, they waited until their young person asked them for advice. So, so you know, those are the, the, 
the, the three key parenting postures that correlate with that developmental continuum from learner to explore to focuser that we see in our kids. So it sounds like, you know, withing, that actually sometimes withing is really about not being with, right? Like that you're moving Absolutely. with them by saying, okay, looks like you've got this, <laughs> you know? Yes. And, yes. and actually going against the desire to do it with them or be with them or, you know, be a part of it with them, but actually be with where they are. Is that right? Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the one of the images that we write about in the book that's been so helpful for me actually comes from the wonderful research of Lisa Damore, who studies adolescent girls. But I think I, I'm pretty convinced most, if not all of her findings are just as relevant for boys and especially this one. Um, and and it, it was so handy for me at a, a family vacation a year or two ago. Um, and my my now 17 year old has given me permission to tell this story. But we went on an extended family vacation, and uh, right before we left, though, I was diagnosed with bronchitis. And so I was, you know, got antibiotics, and for the first 48 hours, I needed to stay on my own. Well, finally, after two days, I'm feeling better, I'm no longer contagious, and I'm thinking, you know, I, I want to go to the beach with everybody else. And so our kids have been riding with their aunts and uncles um, uh, those first few days, but since I was now healthy... My husband, Dave, and I, we said to our kids, okay, you guys, let's you know jump in our car. We want to get some time as we drive to the beach together. And two of our three kids grabbed their backpacks and hopped in our backseat. Um, and, and one of our kids, our, our middle child, Krista, she stood there and you know she crossed her arms and she looked at us with those hazel eyes of hers. And she said, uh, I don't want to ride with you. I want to ride with Uncle Matt and Aunt Shannon. And oh, it hurt my feelings. And, um, you know, she was doing something developmentally normal. She was, you know, building relationships with other adults, uh, being a little hesitant to do what her parents wanted her to do. And so Dave and I looked at each other and we kind of shrugged and we said, okay, Krista, you know, you can ride with Uncle Matt and Aunt Shannon. And the whole 45 minute ride to the beach, like, you know, my, I'm mostly, I'm mostly hurt feelings. Um, that here after 48 hours, my daughter doesn't want to ride with me, but that those hurt feelings turned into anger. Um, and, you know, I had all these mental plans for how I was going to punish her. Um, you know, one of which is, well, if she can't be kind to me. She doesn't get to be kind to other people. And I'm going to take her cell phone from her for a day or two, you know, um, or I thought to myself, well, you know, I'm going to be extra kind and extra friendly to my nieces and nephews. That'll really show her. Um, and I, you know, I had all these schemes that I was um, coming up with, again, out of my own pain, out of my own hurt feelings, out of my own feelings of rejection. And this is where the wording of Lisa Damore was so helpful, because she talks about this advice for parents. And, and maybe this is the most important thing I've said so far in this discussion. She says, what parents need to be is to be a wall for their kids, be a wall for their kids. Um, and so, you know, as we got closer to the beach, I, that phrase came to my mind and I just thought, be a wall, be a wall. How do I be a wall? Because what Krista was doing, I grew up swimming. So I, when I think of a wall, I think about a swimming pool wall. What Krista was doing, if you think of a swimming pool, she was kicking off from me as the wall and she, you know, had headed three, four feet away. She was treading water. Again, she was doing what's developmentally normal. I felt cracked and bruised and broken though. 
what our kids need us to do, even when they distance themselves from us, is they need us to remain constant. They need us to remain stable, to not withdraw in anger or pain, but to be there for them so that when they swim back to us and reach out for us, we're still there for them. And we haven't done damage to our relationship such that they don't feel like they can swim back. So let me just say, um, and you know, eventually Krista, a day or two later in the family vacation, did want to spend time with me. And I'm so glad I hadn't done anything out of anger or pain that would have caused her to not feel like she could. So I, I probably once a week, I'm telling myself, be a wall, be a wall. <laughs> and my kids can, can swim back to me because um, I want to have a long-term relationship with them. And I think a wall sets me up for doing that. I love that metaphor, but I love the swimming part of it too, because that that's just really powerful. I love that. I love that. Yeah. And it kind of captures the safety of what consistency yes. represents to them. You're safe. You've Absolutely. got me. I can count on you. It's like those boundaries we talk about all the time, Dina, right? Like how right. how those boundaries set that and, and that's what a wall is, right? Is it's a, a strong and safe boundary and we need to keep that intact. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Which also means we need to apologize a lot. Yes, as parents, for sure. Or um, those times when we don't. I mean, I you know, being totally honest, two days ago, I got into conflict with one of our teenagers um, and uh, this teenager, what the, the, our kid was being, as they said a little bit later, when they eventually apologized to me, bratty, um, that was the word they used. And, and in response to that brattiness, I, again, I felt rejected. I felt like my kid didn't want to be with me and I totally overreacted. Um, and so, you know, we, we, I went to my bedroom and the child went to their bedroom. I'm not saying the gender because I haven't asked permission for, you know, which of my kids to, to share with, um, or to disclose. And, and I was in my room and I was thinking and praying for just a few minutes and, and I realized what had happened. You know, I had overreacted because of how my child made me feel. And so I went to their room and I said, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry for overreacting, um, and, and then the child, again, apologized to me for their, quote, brattiness, end quote. Um, but I think being a wall means we're quick to apologize because we are humans. We are going to react in anger or fear or sadness. And when we do, um, we can repair that relationship. And I think get even closer when we're quick to apologize. So I'm curious for our non-faith-based listeners like myself, I would venture to guess that there's a way to take that faithing component and still apply it. And I'm curious your thoughts on that. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm so glad you asked because um, one of the things that, that I believe, and we talk about this in the book, is that every person is asking three big questions, um, all of us, regardless of age. And those are questions of identity or who am I? belonging, where do I fit, and purpose, how will my life matter? Um, and so when it comes to, you know, I think all of us are, are asking, and let's just focus in on that last question, how will my life matter? Um, and some of us might have a sense of, of calling or destiny that comes from our faith. And when that's not the case, that question of purpose can still be that compass that guides us. Um, what, what gifts do we have? What deep sense of calling do we have? 
what kind of legacy do we want to leave in the world? Um, and how can our, our morals, our values, the character, the kind of person that we want to be, whether that's inspired by faith or inspired by some other centralizing principle, um, I, I, that many of the questions are still the same about impact and legacy. So um, because we, I think we all have the same questions we're wrestling with, some of us might answer them with answers that are more grounded in faith. Others might use different kind of language, but we're all wrestling with the same questions. Thank you for answering that so beautifully and articulately and and really demonstrating something that I think Dina and I demonstrate all the time on the show, which is like these things, faith, not faith, they don't have to be as polarizing as they feel. Yeah. Um, you know, really at the heart of it, we are all asking those questions. And I think yeah. that's, I just really appreciate you taking the time to, to talk about it that way. Thank you. You bet. You bet. So we are all about practical tools, tips, strategies for our listeners. So I want to make sure you get a chance to share kind of a key takeaway, maybe for those parents who are navigating this with this time with teens and young adults. But we, but as I mentioned at the top of the episode, we also have a lot of listeners with younger ones. So is there also maybe a suggestion you might give for laying the foundation for this kind of growing with parenting? Um, well, I'll tell you what I'm working on these days in my own parenting. And um, with the conflict I just mentioned a few days ago, I, I realized, oh man, if I had only done what I've been trying to do, I think we could have avoided that conflict. Uh, and part of growing with our kids means letting them make their own choices, um, letting them know we think they can make their own choices and that we really trust them. Um, that we're not going to micromanage, we're not going to get over-involved. And th again, the conflict that I had two days ago was because I was getting over-involved in my child's summer plans. Um, and, and, and this question that I, I, I got the framing um, from another researcher, and it's been so helpful for me to ask our kids, and I think this can start early, um, what's your plan? What's your plan? That simple three-word phrase, what's your plan? Um, since I heard that in the research, I mean, I have, I have used that with my kids. What's your plan for cleaning your room? What's your plan for getting your homework done? What's your plan for, uh, you know, how you're going to get through finals? Um, and, you know, two days ago, I thought to myself, oh, if I'd only asked what's your plan and let my child first share what they're thinking about. And again, giving them a sense of agency and autonomy. And, and I find that when I start by letting them talk first about what they're thinking, then they're a lot more open to my hmm, questions or even advice after that. So true. But when I, come in, when I come in too soon as a parent and say, well, here's what I think you should say on this phone call and make sure you ask this and this, which is exactly what I did two days ago. Um, then I'm not honoring my, my child who is growing. I'm trying to control. And so the phrase, what's your plan, has been such a key tool for me. And, and the good news is, and I mean, maybe this is a little unhealthy, but it also lets me, gives me some semblance of assurance that, oh, my kid does have it covered. So, you know, it communicates agency, but I also do hear, oh, that, how are they planning on, you know, applying for college? And how are they planning on navigating a, a challenging Saturday schedule? Um, and it lets me know that they are at least mostly on top of it. So that that practical phrase, what's your plan, um, is worth gold as far as I'm concerned. I love that. And it also sends that message that I assume you have one. I think exactly. highly enough of you to think that you have one. And I'm interested. I'm, I want to know what it is. 
I I literally just wrote that down in giant capital letters. I Good. love it. So can you please tell our listeners where they can find you, buy your books, learn more, follow you, like give everybody all the details? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd love to stay in touch with uh, your listeners. The best website is the research center that I direct, which is fulleryouthinstitute.org fulleryouthinstitute.org. Um, and there you can read more about our growing with book. We actually have a 10 question quiz that any parents free that any parent can take to help them assess is their child a learner, explorer or focuser? And then what does that mean for their parent response? Um, and I'm on social media. Generally, my handle is K Powell FYI uh, for the Fuller Youth Institute. My first initial K Powell FYI. Um, and would love to keep in touch with your listeners. Yeah, thank you so much for for being with us and sharing this expertise, because whether some of our listeners are there right now, even if they're not yet, they are going to be. And so these are important principles to be thinking about because we have a really unique opportunity if we do have younger ones to be laying the foundation for this kind of platform that creates that great launch pad. And, and it's, it's just super important stuff. So FFPs out there, hope you found it helpful too, and, and really gained some insight into how you can be really walking alongside your children and journeying with them rather than just watching them growing up and kind of crossing your fingers and hoping for the best. There are definite action steps you can take to navigate this well. So we thank um, Dr. Powell for being with us today. We look forward to being back with you next time with more content. And in the meantime, please do find us, follow us on social media, on Instagram and Facebook. You can find us at Future Focused Parenting. And we look forward to bringing you more content next week. Raising Adults is produced by Kira Dorian and Dina Thayer, recorded partially in Kira's laundry room, partially in Dina's bonus room right now. Music by Seattle band Hannah Lee. Thanks for listening.